<laughs> All right, guys. So we are back for part two of the Elijah McLean story. Um, for you guys, it was like hours. For us, it was literally like uh, minutes. Yeah. Between part part one and part two but it just felt like the right time to break it up because otherwise you're going to be listening to a two hour long podcast yeah and i needed to break um, yeah and i think you guys need too. a break too um so um if you have not listened to part one please go back and listen to part one um and we'll just get on into this Some of my content has mention of extreme violence, sexual assault, and or other triggering content. Discretion is advised. It's heavy. Yes, it's very heavy. Um, Like I said in the first one, um, I really try to be fair and tell both sides. But like... Fuck no. <laughs> so, like, first of all, why was 911 called in the first place? That's kind of nobody, what a lot of people talk yeah, about. Yeah, nobody's mentioned that yet. Um, at least you haven't mentioned that yet in what we've covered. Right. So, he was just walking. Um, I mean, he did have the ski mask on. Um, and he was dancing, probably, is what they think. Mm-hmm. They said he was kind of, like, flailing around, waving his arms. That's one of the things I remember hearing about the story was that he just liked to dance. Right. So he was probably dancing to the music in his, you know, earphones, and uh, he had a ski mask on, and that's why they called 911. Um, pretty messed up uh, after what led to what everything is. I mean, I, I'm not a person who says not to call 911 a lot, but, like, yeah, I just because a person is, is walking <laughs> yeah, I, is not a good thing. I'm curious, though, like, so I'm, I'm conflicted on that, I guess, on that part. So what I'm thinking there is, I mean, maybe they thought, like, he was, um, like, he might need help. Like, I'm not saying... I don't. I don't know. I. I wouldn't have probably called either. But like, if you had thought like maybe he was somebody, uh, we mentioned earlier, like uh, if there's a potential like intellectual disability, like maybe it was somebody that needed help finding, you know, their family or something like that, you know, or like uh, had a reason that like maybe you felt like they weren't safe. I, I don't know. I. Uh, the thing that would feel weird to me about that though is the person who called nine one one obviously didn't expect it to escalate I'm, oh, I'm no. sure did not expect sure. it and so I yeah. can't imagine the feeling that that person who called 911 had after what it turned into mm-hmm. because uh, I am sure that they didn't think it was going to be this right um, but either way like no matter what happened with the 911 I think we need to have some sensitivity training yeah. For first responders. Because whether you're on the spectrum or have anything or not, like, this, the first responders' job is to deal with direct the direct public. Like, you right. are dealing with people on a day-to-day basis. On top of that, 
this is not their per this person's best day obviously mm -hmm. they're not having a good day when they're calling 911 or they're calling for help or something right. something bad is happening um so we need first responders to understand that you're dealing with people and all people all races all personalities right. everything um and in this case, I think there was a lot of judgment on Elijah because he was different. Plus, you have racism on top of that. Um, and it just, it's like, it's just a really hard tornado mix of just terrible way of reacting. So, I was thinking of if I could ask you this. I don't know how I could ask this question, really. So, I'll kind of explain my thought process. Uh, what I was going to ask was how how could it be handled differently? Um, obviously, racism is like easily handled differently. Like, don't you know? Mm. I can't even say don't treat people different based on um, their race because almost in a way um, we've talked about this before. It was on. That one show that makes everybody cry. Um, uh, this is us. This is us. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad you knew that right away. <laughs> um, where they said basically, you know, um, he said, if you don't see my skin color, then you don't see me. Right. So, like, it's not that you even shouldn't notice race, uh, but you need to be, like, kind of apathetic to the differences in race there <clears throat> and the differences <throat> that come with that. But, like... That to me, that seems like the easier one. The thing that is confusing is so, if he did have an intellectual disability, which I'm not saying he did, um, it sounds like he may or may not have been on the spectrum, but they weren't sure. Mm -hmm. um, so, how how do you handle that as a police officer who doesn't know if they're uh, have like somebody who's on drugs and who is coming into it going? doing some of maybe the same things mm -hmm. like how how i don't know how you handle that necessarily different and i think in this case it's pretty clear that he the way he was acting was he was like he was being kind mm -hmm. in the things he was saying and the things he was doing that's what made it that's what makes this so bad he wasn't threatening at all right he was saying nice things mm -hmm. You know, he was like, you know, saying things like choosing kindness and things like that. Like he was, um, that's how you know the difference. But I, I just, I don't know how you handle it different in a situation that's not as clear cut as what this one is. Well, I think understanding the difference, um, in someone who's maybe, you know, drug dependent versus, you know, on the spectrum, um, talking to that person, like, I feel like cops are on the defensive and they come up so, especially in this story, I don't know how everything happens, but like how every stop happens. But I feel like in this one, it was like ambush from the beginning. Like the fact that it got physical so It got quick. physical immediately. Right. And I think he, they came from behind. I think that he was just surprised. And I think like they cops need to know that when you're dealing with people of color in a general sense they're going to be scared they're going to be defensive 
And I think understanding that and not just jumping in like they did on this kid, like... Yeah, and I've seen a lot of cases where police officers do it that way. Yeah. Like, he didn't do any... Um, from what you described from the body cam, he didn't do any threatening motions, mm -hmm. right? Like, he was... Uh, he didn't act like he was going to grab a weapon or anything like that. So there's really no need for it to get, like, physical yet. Mm -hmm. Like, they could have just talked to him. Right. And they, they could have kept the situation calm. Right. And so I, I agree. I think that would have been a better way of handling it. Yeah, and I don't have all the answers. Um, I'm just a girl on YouTube. <laughs> but, like... But, you know, kind of what you're saying, though, too, is this wasn't it. Yeah, this was not it. All right. So by now, like by the time that Elijah's in the hospital, um, the world is getting little pieces of news um, of what is happening. Little bits of he's in the hospital, he's brain dead, and then he dies. Um and while the world is getting this news of how Elijah died, uh, the family is cremating their son because they can't afford a burial. Um, the world is about to explode. Mm -hmm. um, and we will get there soon. But um, Dr. Stephen Cena did the autopsy on September 3rd. He concluded, concluded that the manner of death may be undetermined cause of death is the specific injury or disease that leads to the death um, manner is determined by how the injury or disease leads to the death then i make yeah um since there i was trying to remember what you said originally you said <clears throat> the cause was undetermined mm-hmm did they oh the manner is the manner is undetermined the cause you haven't said yet right right and I don't know if they say that. Um, so in this case, could have police interaction led to Elijah's death? He is saying, eh? He's basically. saying, I don't eh, Like, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, I can't um, say for sure. Yeah. And then now, unfortunately, we can't because he is cremated. Right. We can't find that out for sure. Yeah. But he makes this decision before he had reviewed complete re police reports, witness statements, or video of the violent confrontation um, of the police and Elijah. So he made it just based off of the body. Yeah. Um, so get this. Aurora police investigators were present at the autopsy. Mm, that's sketchy. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. Um, on November 7th, in his final autopsy report, Dr. Cena declared that there was no way to determine whether police or paramedics played a role in Elijah's death. This effectively crippled any effort to find criminal fault. That's that's impossible. Like, it's, it's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't just die walking down the road. Like, mm -hmm. people intervened. Otherwise, he would have just walked home. Yeah. So I think one of either it was they gave him too much of the ketamine or the you know the chokehold maneuver. Basically, I know it's different. I think he's called a cart or something like that. But mm -hmm. um, without those things, he would 
not have died so it has to be one of those causes like right i think because they're saying like he went into heart failure did that kind of like what but, they do with but sports somebody, somebody caused him to go into heart right, failure right but kind of like what they do with sports where like if someone dies on the field and they're like they died of a heart attack did the sport make it to where he died of a heart attack or I'm, I, I hear was what, he already going to die? I, I hear what you're saying, but like I also I'm not saying it's right. Yeah, <laughs> I also like uh, it. Like it I, doesn't make sense. I disagree. I, I hear what you're saying, though. I, I do. Right. I love that he kind of goes from eh to they had no involvement. Yeah, like uh, uh, especially when the investigators were present. They're like. Watching me write this report right now, mm-hmm. so... Uh, yeah, so because he said that there was no way to determine whether they did anything, they played the role in that, um, the criminal fault um, and how they responded, like, you can't really say that they are at fault if you don't have the well autopsy saying they yeah, are yes but also i think this is probably where the body cam footage comes in because mm-hmm. that's actual hard evidence right which uh, i'm gonna get on a soapbox real quick for a quick second just quick soapbox <laughs> quick soapbox i work in it it is not that hard to make sure a body cam would be working i don't work i don't work in it like with body cams but i literally set up this camera right now and I can tell that it's working. I have a red light in front of me. It says it's going. Like, body cams are not that hard. And they they should be able to make sure those are working before they leave every day. If not, like, we should have somebody at every police station going through and checking every single day that body cams are working. Because I'm very thankful that we have body cams in this case. But there are so many that there weren't. Mm-hmm. And I just I just stopped working. Like this isn't like or they turn them this off. This isn't like your smoke detector. Mm-hmm. Check your smoke detectors. But <laughs> this isn't like your smoke detector where if you don't have it on, it's all right. It'll survive as long as you don't catch the house on fire. It's a body cam. This is really important life and death. Like it's not that hard to have one person who checks all the body cams or have everybody check it. And if they don't this is another thing to me uh, in accountability if somebody doesn't have a certain amount of body cam footage like let's say they keep consistently not having body cam footage they should get penalized just for that i don't care if anything happened if you can't do that part of your job which is keep your body cam footage running then you should get some form of punishment mm-hmm. so in this case it's a tangent but at the same point in time, if these body cams were not running, we would not know any of this. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have any evidence to show what happened to them. In regular jobs, we have to make sure that our equipment is running. Right. We are responsible for that. Uh, why aren't they? I'm, I'm very thankful that it was in mm-hmm. this case. Yep. Because what you just said with the, without this body cam footage uh, and the cause being undetermined... Mm-hmm. the banner being undetermined we that just would have been the end of it yeah we wouldn't be talking about it right now right 
So November 22nd, Adams County District Attorney Dave Young releases his decision clearing the officers involved in the case. Nathan Woodward, Jason Rosenblatt, and Randy Rodema of any criminal wrongdoing. All of them were put back on the job. It happens so much, too. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just right back out there. Yep. Okay, so, like I said, the world was about to explode. We entered 2020. The amount of panic (laughs) and shit that just happened was out of this world. Like, 2020 seems like... So a literal shit show. We're here in Kansas City, and so it was even. It, I feel like it was even a little weirder for us here in Kansas City because uh, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Fireworks, oh, that's right? Fireworks everywhere. Your parents were even up for it. Mm-hmm. Fireworks all over the city. Everybody was celebrating. There Everybody was lots was, of people together. We were together yeah. with our families because at the time it was February and it wasn't a thing yet. Then March comes, and all of a sudden, it hit hard, and it just, everything stopped. So, we went from New Year's to Super Bowl celebration to, all of a sudden, just lockdown. Yep. Just quick. Yep. Um, So, like we said, the COVID-19 pandemic was at its highest at this point, and everyone was on high alert. And when you say the highest, obviously, you mean in just a clarify you mean like highest in terms of panic yes yes highest in terms of panic highest in terms of just sheer pandemonium not knowing Um, yeah but on may 25th 2020 the world all stopped as we watched george floyd cry out that he could not breathe george floyd a 46 year old black man was killed in Minneapolis, Minnesota, while in police custody. He was arrested on suspicion of using a counterfeit $20 bill at a convenience store. During the arrest, Derek Kavanaugh, a white police officer, knelt on Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes while Floyd was handcuffed and lying face down. Two other officers assisted, and a third officer prevented bystanders from coming to Floyd's aid. This was literally like tick, tick, boom. Mm-hmm. Everyone just exploded. Yep. Um, for good reasons, the Black Lives Matter movement led protesters around the country to protest and things got very scary um we needed change and we needed it now before any more lives were lost unfortunately it didn't end there and neither did elijah's story but people were starting to pay attention now so right in the middle of all of this is when we start getting little bits of things in elijah's case So Colorado lawmakers decides to ban the use of those cart chokeholds by police. Now, this is just Colorado lawmakers. So I don't know 
the use of those still around. Which states are, yeah, because it's state by state. Um, they also reviewed things like body camera use and the release of footage. Um, they wanted to increase transparency in law enforcement reporting and putting new limits on police action during protest. The bill that banned this um, was shaped in part by the circumstances of Elijah's death. As they were making little changes, Aurora's off officials were flooded with requests to further examine the death of Elijah McLean. McLean. People were outraged and they were finally making it known. This was one of those cases that kind of blew up at this time. Um, <clears throat> on June 27th, there was a day planned for vigils and protests in Aurora for Elijah. It began with speakers, music, and a march down I-225, and a rally in front of Aurora's municipal center. I saw this really powerful picture of a man playing violin and just bawling. And it was just so powerful to see um, because that really honored Elijah and captured like his soul. Um, unfortunately, the day ended with police barricades and officers in riot gear as they responded. Um, after all this, we finally saw some pro progress in the case when the FBI, Colorado U.S. Attorney's Office, and the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division released a statement that revealed that they have been investigating Aurora's handling of Elijah's death. They were looking for potential civil rights violations. I mean, just think about that, how much that took for mm -hmm. for there to get any traction it took what happened to george floyd it took the federal like the fbi getting involved to get something to happen over the course of six months i think and no more than six months it's almost a year at that point like yeah. nine months or so yep um all that just to get traction on that one case and keep it from getting swept under the rug yep now, on July 2nd, 2020, the police chief fired three officers in the department for posting photos taken at Elijah's memorial. These photos show three officers, Erica Murano, Kyle Dittrich, and Jaron Jones. They are all smiling wide at the memorial where Elijah was murdered. The, selfie, the selfies also show one where an officer is doing a chokehold position and they're all smiling and laughing. I didn't even know that. That's... Uh, <clears throat> what are you thinking? Yeah. These pictures were taken while on duty on October 20th, 2019. Jason Rosenblatt, who was there the night the incident happened and performed the chokehold, was sent the picture through text. He replied, ha ha. Um, he was also let go at this time. Later, they said the text was to cheer up a friend who was involved in an incident that they realized now it's in poor taste. 
uh, Rosenblatt said he was trying to just end the conversation by saying, ha ha. Yeah, I don't, don't buy it. And I... The pictures are... (sighs) I just, and I I said, what are you thinking? I know what they're thinking. It's horrible. Like, it's just, it's disappointing. Yeah. One week later, all three police officers appeal their firing. I don't know what they think is going to happen. While two of the officers that were involved in Elijah's death, Nathan Woodward and Randy Rodema, remained on the force after Rosenblatt's firing, the community rallied behind the injustice and took to the streets. They protested in front of the police station and demanded that all three be fired. That was at least what they could do. Honestly, this was a pretty big time in history. Um, I think it'll be a time where we look back on and might be in, you know, history books and things like that. Whoa. (laughs) Florida does not have any of that, okay? Okay, maybe this is what I hope will happen. This is going to be in history in, like, every state that's not Florida. Right. I'm sorry, Um, I'm getting a little... Um. (laughs) I know. This is upsetting. I told you this is... (sighs) Makes your blood boil. Yeah. Also to note, during this time in history, this is around the time where we had the unfortunate, and I, I, I don't, like you said, we don't use this word lightly, the murders of Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, these also happen. So when we're talking about all of this blowing up at once, and, and I hope you know those stories. I hope you look them up if you don't know them, but um, they are all horrible mm-hmm. of what happened to them, and it all happened right around the same time, and we were all just sitting in our house. I almost kind of think of it like the people who are trying to keep their eyes closed to it. Mm-hmm. It was like those those horror movies you see where they like tape their eyes open mm-hmm. like their eyes are taped like you have to see it now yeah you you can't go do something else in your life you have to see it because mm-hmm. you're locked down with covid um and so, people were protesting in masks but like and not able to come out and protest because of the pandemic and that just kind of drove everybody it it was just this... I don't even know how to explain it. Was, it was it. weird, too, because, like... So, one side was saying, like, oh, it, it, COVID doesn't exist. Um, right. Mask mandates shouldn't be happening and all that stuff. And then, like, people are going out and protesting because these things are happening. And they're going, look, you're doing it. And mm-hmm. you're now you're getting everybody sick. It's like... It was just... It felt like this weird time of everybody just sitting in their house pointing their fingers at each other Mm -hmm. um but in a way i'm happy that like i'm not happy any of this happened but i'm happy that things started happening traction wise to actually hopefully make some change yeah i mean if if it hadn't have happened during this time there's never never a good time for it to happen it should never happen at all but with it happening now, there may actually be some justice, and hopefully it can stop happening. Mm-hmm. And 
I think the goal, um, if I can say this, for people of color was just to say, we demand change with the way that police are interacting with people, especially people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was that was the thing. Like, we just demand change. We demand these lives stop being taken mm-hmm. the way that they are. And it was rapid in, like... There was so many more. Like, we've mentioned four in this podcast, and there was just so much more that we didn't even get to. Yeah. Um, and all of those lives matter, and black lives matter every day, yesterday, today, tomorrow. And I think that's just what they were getting at is stop killing us. And I- so I want to say something about the phrase Black Lives Matter because I heard it put in a really good way and I want other people to hear it. So generally the counter you hear to Black Lives Matter is that all lives matter. So what I heard somebody say to that is all lives can't matter until black lives matter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to hear because that's what they're saying like is and i i shouldn't be let me rephrase that i i can't say that that's what they're saying i while i'm an advocate for um this racism to stop like i'm also can't put myself in like um in their shoes to be like i'm also speaking for you you know mm-hmm. what i mean right. but like that's what I'm hearing is that, you know, they're not saying like, yeah, all lives don't matter. Like they're saying all lives matter, but like all lives can't matter until our lives matter. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'm hearing it and how I heard it put that way. And so I think that's really important to hear is that like, if you're not, if you're not black, they're not saying your life doesn't matter. They're saying that theirs doesn't matter, so all lives can't matter, is mm-hmm. how they're being treated. And that that's how I'm hearing it, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very hard to get on a podcast as to white people um, yeah. and fight for things like this. But if I, if I must, I'm going to. And, like, this does affect us too Mm -hmm. and um i just it's it's hard because like i want to say the right thing i want to to learn we mean the best yeah if we have said anything or going to say anything that is not okay tell us yeah Um, educate us for sure (laughs) educate us um because we don't know but these cases need to be out more like I mean, this is a true crime podcast, and there's not a lot of people who cover stories of police brutality because does it fall under true crime? Are they going to get backlash? Da-da-da-da-da. But it's like, I could care less. Well, people, I think people too, like white people in general, I feel like there is a bit of a fear of what, what we can and can't say and what we should Mm -hmm. and shouldn't say and that's um in some ways good because people there's a lot of times people say things they shouldn't right 
and I hope I didn't say anything in this podcast that I shouldn't have, but like, I also think it's important that, um, that white people who don't want white people being racist, Mm -hmm. like say things like this and talk about things like this, because the truth is like a lot of us don't actually want this. Like, we don't want... We don't want racism to be happening. Mm -hmm. That is wrong that it happens. Um, And so, I think white people speaking up, too, and saying, like, we're not okay with this either. I think it's really important. And I think it's one of those things where you kind of have to have that um, scary conversation where it's like, maybe I'm saying some things that I'm not educated enough in to be saying... But, like, here that I'm, like, fighting for what I believe is right, and that's racism not existing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Help us understand. Help, help us, us. Yeah. Help us be good at it. Help advocates. us do it right. Yes. Um, is what I say there is, is uh, yeah, we want to do it right. Mm-hmm. So, on July 25th, Um, A couple hours into a protest that begun at Aurora Police Headquarters, demonstrators marched onto I-225, blocking traffic. A driver in a Jeep tried to plow into them. A protester fired a gun and struck another protester who was sent to the hospital in stable condition. The man who fired shots during the protest was charged with attempted first-degree murder, but no charges were brought against the driver of the Jeep. Mm-hmm. August 11th, the family of Elijah McLean filed a lawsuit in federal court against the city of Aurora, several police officers, and the paramedics who are responsible for Elijah's death. I feel like we see a ripple effect here. It started with Elijah's death, his family fighting, the community fighting, the nation, and then the world. Um, Just hours after Elijah's family filed their lawsuit, the city of Aurora announced that they would conduct a comprehensive review of its police department. August 27th, Aurora City Council banned local police from using those holds, those cart codes. September 14th, the Aurora City Council unanimously voted to temporarily ban city paramedics from using ketamine until Elijah's case was settled. Which, keep in mind, that at that point, it's been a year. Mm-hmm. So it took, just, a, it took a year for that to happen. They are just putting it on hold. Right. It's not, it's not a law. It's mm-hmm. just we're going to investigate further. Yep. September 1st, Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser announces that the grand jury has filed a total of 32 criminal charges against three Aurora police officers, Nathan Woodward and Randy Rodima, and former officer Jason Rosenblatt, and two paramedics, Jeremy Cooper and Peter Chinaki. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, All five turned themselves into the Glendale Police Department the same day the indictment was announced. They were each released after posting their bonds. I don't know how to feel about the 
paramedics involvement with it i think your job is to know how much of a drug to give someone and when that is appropriate right and neither was done do you think we don't know this so this is speculation do you think that the with what you saw the body cams and things like that do you think the police officers influenced their decisions i think they definitely could have i mean you're sitting there with the law telling you okay we need to administer this are you just gonna say no i mean i mean you should you should but are, but are, are you? you yeah that's, that's intimidation at its finest which that's what i'm kind of kind of worried about and kind of getting at but at the same point in time it doesn't make them be not involved right they right. still did it like yep. um it's just it's one of those things where and i don't know like you said the amount they gave them was for a enough for about like a 200 pound person Uh um he was only about 100 pounds so like it kind of was almost like double the amount and they should you know that's that's something they should have factored into being the medical professionals I i don't know it's tough yep um so november 19th aurora agreed to pay the family of elijah 15 million the money is the largest known settlement in the police and police for police violence in state history. September 23rd, Elijah's amended autopsy is released to the public, showing a new cause of death: ketamine administration and forcible restraint. Thank you. His manner of death, however, remains undetermined which contradicts the state's case against the three police officers and two paramedics who were involved in that arrest. So you, you said this earlier, and I, I know I'm asking the hard question and asking you to go back in your notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so cause of death, mm-hmm. <laughs> cause of death would be, uh, like they said, the ketamine and the, the restraints um, so that's like what happened, but what was the manner that was undetermined? Like, what is manner is um, manner of death describes way the way in which the death occurs: homicide, suicide, accidental, natural, or undetermined. Okay, so the manner of so death. So they can't say that it is homicide. Yeah, they can't say that they or natural. They can't say whether he had a heart attack mm-hmm. uh, um, where it was accidental or they could say it's like a homicide where that he was actually killed mm-hmm. by police officers or paramedics. Like they right. can't they can't determine mm-hmm. basically that's why it's undetermined, which again I would argue they had they one of them caused it right. because it wasn't from and anything that we've heard, it wasn't going to happen if they weren't there. Right. But, yeah, okay. The new report goes on to take blame, um, to take the blame off of the involved police officers who are facing charges um, by saying the chokeholds that they used on McLean would not have caused long-lasting injuries. If you cut off oxygen to the brain, I mean, I'm not a doctor, mm-hmm. but like you cut off oxygen to the brain for too long, it causes brain damage. Right. Which is 
pretty lasting. Yep. At this time, more and more is starting to be released about Elijah's last night, the night Nathan Woodward applied that hold, which caused him to lose consciousness. Randy Rodima also put McLean in the bar hammer lock. Randy himself stated that he cranked pretty hard on Elijah's shoulder and heard it pop three times. Eventually, paramedics arrived at the scene. Jeremy Cooper, who was the paramedic that made the decision to administer 500 milligram dose of ketamine. Unfortunately, at the time of this recording, the men have yet to go to trial. They have a trial set for July, but the defense asked for more time. Um, Randy Rodima and Jason Rosenblatt joint trial begins September 18th. Nathan Woodward jury selection is scheduled to start Monday, October 16th. Paramedics Jeremy Cooper and Peter Chinucky are currently scheduled for pre-trial conference November 2nd. The prosecution intends to call dozens of expert witnesses, including at least one person who will discuss police use of force policies, a toxicology expert, and Denver police officer who trained Aurora police and who will testify. The five face 32 counts altogether, including criminal, criminally negligent homicide, manslaughter, and second-degree assault causing serious bodily injury. Cooper and Chinucky also face a count of second-degree assault with a deadly weapon, which would be ketamine, and unlawful administrating a sedative without consent. They have each pleaded not guilty. I will update if we have more after trials and such. Um, but I kind of wanted to end talking about Elijah. Okay. So do you um, have anything more to say yeah, thanks about all that? Yeah, for that. Because I was going to say, I want to get one thing out of what you just <laughs> said there before we, and we definitely need to end mm-hmm. talking about Elijah. Yeah. Um, so two things. I've never heard of a uh, drug being and I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but being called a deadly weapon in a yeah. charge. That's, yeah. I don't know what that, what's going to happen with that. This whole thing is very unprecedented. And then also I will say on what's been charged against the police officers, I, it sounds like from what you've said, they've been very, they're very careful about the, and they have to be the charges that are against them because mm-hmm. they can't, um, you can't say first degree because first degree would have been like premeditated. Right. And there's no way that it's going to stick. There's no way they can prove that. Mm-hmm. So they can't bring huge charges against them that aren't going to stick. They have to bring charges that they believe they can truly prove. And it sounds like they did that. It sounds like what they brought were lesser charges, but more of them uh, and more likely that multiple ones are probably going to stick because they weren't um, they weren't swinging for a home run here basically so mm-hmm. those were the things and not saying they're not going to get a ton of jail time for it but like 
it seems like they put together a case that has a better chance of having a long sentence and actually getting a conviction than just based off of the charges than if they had put out a uh, we're going for like 20 consecutive life sentences or something. Right. You know? Yeah. This is going to be happening soon and um, I'm interested. Yeah. I will be too. Um, you want to talk about Elijah now? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Elijah. Um, so he was this beautiful light in the world and he unknowingly caused significant change that will impact our world forever. It is clear that policing needs to change. Um, we need to do better um, in Elijah's case uh, being as jarring and horrible that it really is. I think it woke everybody up. Um, I mean, people of color have to deal with this on the daily and now we're seeing his blood circulation disorder. Um, and he, <laughs> there's this video of him moments before the attack where he is in the uh, little convenience store buying his tea and um, like the security camera shows that he is like <laughs> he pays for his stuff and then when he turns to leave there's a man behind him and he bows mm -hmm. <laughs> to the man and the man kind of just like I don't know what huh? to do here <laughs> and just kind of <laughs> smiles um, and Elijah smiles and um, it was just, it was super cute. Yeah. Um, Elijah was just a young man walking home. Um, that's it. That's the thing that just makes me the most angry about all of it is everything I've heard about Elijah just sounds like Elijah is, it was an incredible person. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the hardest part of it. I mean, it's never good it's never easy but when you hear like these like exceptionally nice stories about someone mm -hmm. it just kind of makes you that much more mad yeah i i kind of like to think and and i'm <laughs> i'm not one to talk about religion or the afterlife or anything like that but in my mind <laughs> i like to think that george floyd and elijah like George Floyd is just looking after him up there and that they're just best friends and buddies yeah. well, and it just, just it's sad I'm picturing that Elijah is just like jamming out to his favorite music <laughs> like and having the best time is what I'm hoping and everything's everything's good that he's you know that all that stuff is just now he's just like I'm chilling I'm happy. Yep. I found my people. So, if anything, before I start crying, um, <laughs> <laughs> take care of each other. Um, just because someone's different, like, please just be nice um, to each other. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> I always say peace at the end of these because, like, I really... I hope we eventually get to a place where we don't have to talk about this stuff and that, you know, everybody is good to each other. And that's what I think the whole peace thing is about in my mind. And so that's why I say it at the end of all of these is, you know, like, let's start being good to each other. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's stop all this. 
All right, we'll see you guys next time. I need like an episode that isn't isn't this. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to do like I don't even know, palate like cleansers or something. There's not really a palate cleanser in true <gasps> crime, but we need to find something like I don't know, just just random ghost stories that we made up or something just to not have these heavy ones. Mm-hmm. Just have a break. Yep. So be nice to each other and we will see you next time. Peace. Bye. Hi guys, I just wanted to say I hope you enjoyed this video. If you like any of the content for Code 187, please click that subscribe button, that like button, that share button to help us out, help us grow. Um, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms. Um, yeah, check us out on there. Give us some ratings. Um, tell us what you think. We're also across every social media on Code187. So we're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I think that's it. Um, and, of course, YouTube. So please, please, please subscribe um, if you like our content and spread the word. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.